0: I wanna take a few minutes and, and look at the Torah portion and an important theme. Before we do that, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah, amen i was so pleased with Brendan's message tying together the Torah portion, Haftorah, and the readings from the British Hadashah, and connecting that to his experience. And I don't want to really amplify on your message. You did a great job. But this particular Torah portion is one of my favorites because of one word that is in the, the Torah, and it's about an obscure concept that describes how God works, the concept is best expressed through, I think, a a different form of the word, you know, because any word can take multiple forms depending on how it's used in a sentence. Um, In the Torah portion, the root word is hafach, but my favorite form of the word is hafuch. Say that with me, hafuch. And Sandy and I learned about this word hafuch when we were in Israel decades ago and we were trying to order a cappuccino. And it turns out you can order a cappuccino in Italy and a lot of other places but not in Israel. If you want a cappuccino, you have to order cafe hafuch. You can say that with me. Cafe hafuch. Upside down coffee. And so we learned to do that and enjoyed our hafuch. Years ago, when I was reading this particular Torah portion and looking at the Hebrew, I saw that not hafuch, but another form of the word meaning the same thing was in the Torah portion, and it really caught my attention. And since that time, The word hafuch from a biblical point of view has been fascinating and important to me because it describes a way that that God works. He uses upside down situations. Not only that, but when situations are like crazy, he can flip them and turn them for good. And when you get a hold of that deep in your heart and in your mind, It changes your perspective on the crazy world around you and the difficulties and challenges that you may be facing. But I want to show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 23. And let me see, I I, I periodically like to see how many people have classic paper Bibles here with you. So you can open to Deuteronomy 23. And how many of you are Digerati? You've got uh, your... Steve Jobs' translation, or your other translation? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say one thing so they have the right image in their mind. OK, you have to come up to the microphone. Because you said cappuccino. In America, in America cappuccino has a foam on the top. With cafe hafou, it comes with the milk on the bottom. And it always comes in a glass and it sort of like comes up to the top. So if you have that image in your mind, it's not a cappuccino like we know it. It's the Israeli way. It's the upside down version. It's the upside down version of a cappuccino. So if you're thinking of American cappuccino, you're not gonna get this message so clearly. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, they actually pour the milk and foam in first, and then the coffee. And then, as Sandy was describing, the the milk rises. Is that a good way of putting it? But it's upside down to begin with. Thank you for clarifying that. And I hope you enjoyed your culinary lesson today. (laughs) So that when you're in Israel, you don't make the mistake of ordering a cappuccino. Deuteronomy 23 verses three through five in English, four through six in the Hebrew. It says this, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the congregation of the Lord, nor may any of the descendants down to the 10th generation ever enter the congregation of the Lord because because they did not supply you with food and water when you were on the road after leaving Egypt. That's the first reason. When you were in the wilderness going from the land of your captivity to the land of promise. They refused to even sell you food and water that you needed. That was one reason. Second reason, because they hired Balaam, Balaam, to put a curse on you. Then verse five in Hebrew, but the Lord your God did not listen to Balaam. Rather, the Lord, your God, turned the curse upside down into a blessing for you because the Lord loved you. You see, the Lord turned the curse upside down. He overturned the, course, the curse. He flipped the curse, and it became a blessing. And I love this idea. Once you see that God can get a hold of things, even crazy things, even evil plans of others and evil intentions from others, and he can get a hold of it and he can flip it and bring something good out of it. Once you see that, it changes your perspective on your own life and the world around you. It's less fearful to go through challenges because you realize God is not only with me, he not only will not abandon me, he's not only not indifferent to me, he's actively engaged and he can get his hands on situations that were meant to bring harm, that were actually evil. And he can turn them upside down, which makes them right side up. And that's what he did. And so this passage uses the, uh, the Hebrew form Yahfoch, you can say that with me, Yahfoch, He turned it upside down. God can overturn, he can flip things. Things that are meant for evil, that have a purpose designed against the purposes of God, can be overturned by the Lord. Evil plans can be flipped, God can take difficulty, He can take adversity. He can even take bleak situations. He can take calamity. And he can bring good out of it. Now don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that those things were good. It means he can use them even though they were meant for harm. When he puts his hands on them and he flips them right side up, then good can come out of them. Not only can God do this? He can work in ways that are absolutely unthinkable. When you're reading the stories in the scriptures, and you see how God has worked, it's meant to instruct us so that we can understand how he can work in our lives too. Here's the problem. We latch on to one way that he may work, and we want that to be the way that he works in our life. We want to go out from somewhere. He says, stay. We don't like it. We argue with him. We show him all the scriptures that talk about going out of Egypt. We explain to him, it's time for the exodus for us. And he says, shh, it's Purim. Stay put. And we say, no, no, I don't want Purim. I want Passover. I want to go out. I don't want to stay in. But God knows how to deliver. So he can, he can work in ways that are unthinkable for us. He can work in ways that are unimaginable for us. He can work in ways that are impossible, the way we think. And he can even work in ways that are unpopular. Even unpopular with us. Now I love some of the stories that are in the scriptures that that describe how God works by turning situations upside down or taking upside down situations and turning them right side up. Think about Abraham and Sarah. He took a barren couple that was long past the age of childbirth and the prime of life and he gave them a covenant child in order to form a covenant family, in order to produce a covenant nation. Now, it's hard to imagine how long they waited for that word from the Lord, this is how I'm going to work. And when the word came, do you remember Sarah's first response? She laughed. She laughed and the Lord said, why'd you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. (laughs) But the truth was, The Lord wanted to work in a completely unusual way, contrary to all science and knowledge and the normal ways, and he wanted to use a couple that were incapable of having children in order to bring forth a special child. The Lord can take a slave nation and use them to show the might and his power to set free. It's important to understand this, that God is with you even when you are in the most adverse of circumstances. He is not limited to your social status or standing or your position in society. He doesn't look at you and say, well, you know, you just haven't achieved enough, so I'm not gonna help you. Or if those people think you should be slaves, there's something wrong with you, clearly. No, the Lord knows how to go to people in the worst of circumstances and to be present with them. He can take a sick person or a blind person or a person with no sense of hope or future and he can turn everything upside down, which actually turns things right side up and he can bring glory to himself and joy to everyone who serves him. And I, th- I think that, that old saw the Lord works in mysterious ways, is trying to get at some of this. But this is very specific. God gets his hands on situations and he turns them upside down. It's not that he's telling us that thing was good. He's saying, I bring good out of it. Now I was talking to a neighbor recently and uh, told him that we had taken our house off the market and we were going to stay put. And he asked a few questions. I told him that we had a small window of time where we were trying to sell our house, where we could move and we got several offers and we took one and then it fell through. And then the window of time that we were comfortable with closed and we had done so much work getting the house ready to sell. We looked at each other and said, well, maybe we should just do a little bit more and stay. And we decided to do that and, uh, He looked at me and he said, so it all worked out. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it all worked out. You see, the Lord flipped it. He turned it right side up. We could have been lost in fear or disappointment or despair because the sale fell through. The circumstance didn't go in the way or in the timing that we wanted. But we didn't. We worked through our emotions and we said, Lord, what do you want to do? And he said, guess what? Stay. And so you know what that meant? Everything else was easy. Until lightning struck our big tree in the back. Yeah! One day is raining as it does in Mandarin, you know, it can rain on one street and not on the other. And Lightning hit our tree, and it's a big oak, an oak that an arborist had assured me would be there long after we were gone. Well, I can tell you as of today, it's gone. <laughs> but you know what? Just because that happened, that doesn't make me think, oh, we shouldn't have stayed. Difficulty is Difficulty. God's not against pain. That's a hard lesson. He uses even painful situations, and he can bring good out of them. So I know this, that tree cannot fall on my house. How do I know that? Because it's now on the street in front of my house. When you see that God can get a hold of the difficulties in our lives, even the evil plans that are working against us and he can flip them for good. He can bring good out of them. It changes your perspective, it builds up your courage, your hope, your faith, your, your understanding of his power and of his kindness. Joseph saw this when his brothers came to Egypt to buy food and you remember the story It's an incredible story, but his brothers hated him so much, they sold him into slavery, and he became a slave. He lived uh, not as a free man, but as a slave for quite some time. Eventually, you have to read the book to get the whole story, but eventually, he gets out of prison through a supernatural intervention of the Lord, and he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And his brothers don't know this because they've been separated for all these years and they're believing the lie they told their father. Joseph's dead, even though they knew he wasn't. And so they're meeting with him. He knows who they are and they don't know who he is. He's talking to them in Egyptian through an interpreter. And at some moment, he's just overtaken. He's so touched by the situation that he begins to wail. He sends out everybody who speaks Egyptian to leave. And then when the room is empty, it's just him. He looks like an Egyptian. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He'd been speaking Egyptian. All of a sudden he switches into Hebrew. And he says in Hebrew, I'm Joseph, your brother. And it was like the air went out of the room And the brothers are suffocating. (laughs) And just to make it clear, he says, I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery. That one. (laughs) And he's looking at them. And he says to them, what you meant for harm, God has turned for good. He's turned this into a great deliverance, your deliverance. Now how did that happen? It happened because God got a hold of Joseph's heart and he fellowship with the Lord during all the time when he could have perceived himself as being a victim. He saw himself in relationship to God. And the fellowship he had with God changed him so that he was able to look at his brothers and choose not vengeance and not to return evil for evil. And not to say, aha, the Lord has put you in my hands finally. You're never going to know, you dirty rats. No. He took the love that God had been pouring out upon him He took it so deeply into his heart that he could look at those who had done him wrong and had done evil against him and he decided to show them love. That's upside down. That's hafuch. The coming of Yeshua, God taking on human form and cloaking himself in a human body, it's also hafuch. It's not what people expected, not what people imagined the idea that God would come down, take on human form, and then he would suffer as Messiah. This is hafuch, it's upside down. Everybody was against it, including his disciples. Yeshua would teach them, Messiah must suffer, and they would say, no, you haven't read the book right. And I'm sure Yeshua was saying, I haven't read the book right. I helped write this book. (laughs) One of the hardest things for his disciples to accept is that they had to suffer, that Messiah had to suffer, and that he would be killed, executed, and that he would be buried and then raised from the dead. They couldn't believe it was necessary or that it would happen. And after he was executed, you know what they did? They just went back to the old life they had. They picked up their careers as if it had just fallen through. Their hopes and their dreams were lost. And then Yeshua shows back up. And it's a crazy situation. Now, eventually they were able to say, there was a time when we thought that Messiah's suffering was impossible. But now we see it was necessary. But you know what was hard for them? that they also had to suffer, that they would enter into his suffering. And you know, that's hard for us too because we believe if, if God loves us, then it should be easy to live this life. But it's not. You see, through the resurrection, God overturned and defeated the power of sin and death, and he took on death and sin so that we could be redeemed from them both. And when we have eyes to see and ears to hear when we have a heart that understands we can process our own lives differently when we see that god took everything that we needed upon himself every every victory that we need has come through him and every penalty that we deserved he took up upon himself as well in order to accomplish Not only redemption, but justice and mercy. He did it all. And so your situation may be upside down right now. And you may be fully aware of the difficulty you're going through. And you may be saying, God, it's about time. But I want to encourage you not to put God on a timetable, but to hold on. Hold on to him. You know, there's this wonderful scripture that says this, God causes all things to work together for good. That's the idea, he causes all things to work together for good, even things that aren't good things. But here's the condition, for those who love him, say that with me, for those who love him, and, as most translations say, are called according to his purpose. Say that with me are called according to his purpose. But the language really could be better translated this way. Who are called according to his highest purposes. His highest purposes. When you hold on to God's highest purposes, you don't get lost when you're going through difficulty and challenge. You know why? Because you're holding on. You're holding on to him and all that he wants to do. And you don't say to yourself, well, now nothing good can happen, because that's what God works with and through. The impossible situations, the unthinkable situations, the upside-down situations. And what does he do? He gets his hands on them, and he brings good out of them. That's what you can count on. If you love God, if you know that Yeshua died for you, if you know that he took on the penalty that you deserved, if you know that he rose from the dead, if you know that he returned to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to live in you and empower you to live for him, if you know this, then you can know something else, that he can bring good out of anything that's working in your life. So I want to stop and just pray for us that this would be in our hearts so that we would have eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And thank you, Lord, that you flipped the curse of Balaam and turned it into a blessing. Thank you that you flipped the evil intentions and the harm and the sin that Joseph's brothers did against him, and you brought deliverance out of it. Thank you that you flipped the execution of Yeshua, and you turned it into the thing you had in mind always, redemption, salvation, and freedom. And we pray that this would be in our hearts, and it would change the way we think, in Yeshua's name, amen. So we're gonna close right now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And then as much as we'd like to fellowship with you here, we're not going to. (laughs) We'll meet you next door. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom. See you next door. Don't forget your children.